We've all been hurt. We all have scars. And through a relationship with Jesus Christ, we can all overcome and we can all be healed. Welcome to Healing Scars with Pastor Burton. This segment of Healing Scars with Pastor Burton is brought to you by Scars and Stripes Coffee, premium coffee that directly empowers the life of a veteran. Get yours today at www.ss.coffee forward slash rominger. That's www.ss.coffee forward slash R-O-M-I-N-G-E-R. Hey, everybody, and welcome back. Thank you for tuning in. You know, um, over the last week or so, we've had some really great questions come in um, and some prayer requests. So um, I'd like to take a moment to remind you that if you do have any questions, any prayer requests, or even if there's just a topic that you'd like to hear discussed here, you can reach out to us at BeTheLightSanctuary.org or you can connect with us on Facebook at BeTheLightSanctuary. Um, also, if you'd like to make a donation uh, to the podcast, you can do so at buymeacoffee.com forward slash healing scars. And that information is available on the website as well. So um, with that housekeeping to the side, um, we are going to look at the book of Haggai. You know, a, a lot of people, they don't cover this book. And most that do get into it, they really only hit like, you know, a few verses and then keep going about whatever it is that they're preaching on. You know, some of you may be wondering why this is. And I'll tell you, it's it's because it's a short book, one of the shortest. Um, as a matter of fact, it's only two chapters long. And it's not even the shortest book in the Bible. So there's really not a lot to pull from in the opinions of some people. Now, this may come as a surprise to you. But there are many people who haven't even heard of Haggai. Or it's been so long that they just don't recall. Also, like other short books in the Bible, many points that are often looked at, are they're also covered in other books as well. We're going to see that here um, as we dive in. Um, now, I'd like to remind you, even though it's short, it is still the Word of God. So it's important to hear. We need to hear this stuff. All right. So we're going to go through the book of Haggai together. Um, now, even though it's short, there are two parts to it, um, really, the two chapters. Chapter 1 being um, the, the calling, and chapter 2 being the encouragement uh, to complete their work. Now, you'll understand more as we go in here. All right. Now, Haggai, also referred to as Aegeus or Aegeus, um, uh, he was one of the minor prophets, uh, the first of the post-exilic uh, prophets. Uh, post-exilic refers to the Jewish period after their exile ended in 538 BC to 1 AD. So post-exile, if you will. Now, Haggai wrote this book approximately 520 BC. His intended audience at that time were the Jews who had recently returned to Jerusalem from exile. All right. Now, to set the backstory, the temple in Jerusalem had been destroyed uh, in uh, about 586 BC. Cyrus, uh, the king of Persia at that time, let the Jews return to their homeland to rebuild it in 538 BC. Remember, in BC, the years go from bigger 
to smaller. It's AD where we're at now, where they go from smaller to bigger. All right. Now, to finish painting this picture, we're actually going to start in the book of Ezra, chapter 4. And um, we're going to start right there at the beginning in verse 1. So, uh, Ezra, chapter 4, verse 1. And uh, we're going to read through uh, verse 6 here. So, in Ezra 4, verses 1 through 6, the Bible says, When the enemies of Judah and Benjamin heard that the exiles were building a temple for the Lord, the God of Israel, they came to Zerubbabel and to the head of the families and said, Let us help you build because, like you, we seek your God and we've been uh, sacrificing to him since the time of... Uh, uh, I'm going to butcher these names today. Esarhaddon, king of Assyria, who brought us here. But Zerubbabel... Joshua and the rest of the heads of the families of Israel answered, You have no part with us in building a temple to our God. We alone will build it for the Lord, the God of Israel, as King Cyrus, the king of Persia, commanded us. Then the peoples around them set out to discourage the people of Judah and make them afraid to go on building. They bribed officials to work against them and frustrate their plans during the entire reign of Cyrus, king of Persia, and down to the reign of Darius, king of Persia. At the beginning of the reign of Xerxes, they lodged an accusation against the people of Judah and Jerusalem. Now, this goes on to provide the letters that were sent to the king of Persia, which you can read uh, continuing from here. Um, through verse 22. Verses 23 and 24 is when the work itself actually stopped until Darius's reign. All right. So when the Jews had returned to their homeland, they had the right mindset. They got to work right away to rebuild their temple. All right. And just as quickly as they had started Opposition set in. Verse 2, we see the enemy tried to mess the Jews um, up here uh, by offering rather shady alliance to help them build. All right. In reality, they were looking to spy on them and you know ensure that Jerusalem wouldn't become a strong nation again. And the Jews, they saw right through this. They, you know, and they wouldn't compromise their own faith by mixing with unbelievers. So when that didn't work, these sneaky guys, they switched tactics, which we see in verses 4 and 5. And they tried to discourage and intimidate and bribe. Now, in, in verses 6 through 24, they flat out lied about what the Jews were doing. So for years, their efforts were hindered. Um, ultimately, it, it brought the work to a halt. So now I gotta ask: Does any of this sound familiar? It's kind of like the things that have happened at some point in your life, because these things happen to us all. You know, as a believer of Jesus Christ, as a Christian, we should all expect to run into opposition when we're doing God's work. 
that's what the enemy hates. And he will do everything he can to get you to stop. So, we have to keep these things in mind for when the attacks do come. That way, we can fight through them. We can continue forward in faith and know we can trust in God to show us how to overcome any stumbling blocks. All right, now, this it, it, is going to sound horrible. It reminds me of being pepper sprayed. Pepper sprayed. You know, most law enforcement and security licensing agencies, they require their people to get pepper sprayed as part of their training in order to be able to carry it, um, let alone use it. And the same goes for certain military units. All right. Um, this reminder, you know, I was, I was an MP in the Marine Corps. You know, and I've worked for several law enforcement agencies and security agencies uh, when I left for many, many years. Um, you know, and I could tell you from personal experience that the training is fun. It really is. But the being sprayed part is not. It sucks. All right. Uh, but you're, you're trained just as we're trained in the word. And then the time comes when we get hit with that spray straight from the halls of hell. We fall back on that previous training and we start pushing through the obstacle course that's in front of us. We endure and we finish it. The training is done, which is good. Because at some point in the future, we're going to get hit again when we're least expecting it. And for an instant, we're going to be saying a short prayer, possibly out loud. And it might sound a little bit like, God help me. And then God reminds you of that previous training and helps you push through the pain to get the job done. He reminds you of the word, right? And this brings us to Haggai chapter 1, verses 1 through 6. All right. So Haggai chapter 1. Verses 1 through 6, the Bible says, In the second year of King Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, son of Sheltiel, governor in Judah, and to Joshua, son of Josedek, the high priest. This is what the Lord Almighty says, These people say, The time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. Then the word of the Lord came to the prophet Haggai. Is it time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains a ruin? Now, this is what the Lord Almighty, uh, God Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages, 
only to put them in a purse with holes in it. So we can see that the building and the maintenance of the temple is barely being looked at at this point. It's practically an afterthought, really. So through Haggai, God is saying, it's time to get up and get to work. Roll those sleeves up. All right. There's no more time for lollygagging. Why are you sitting around high on the hog while my house is in shambles? That's what the Lord's saying to them. All right. The, the temple was supposed to be the focal point of their relationship with God. Yet it's being ignored. Ignored. They were supposed to be restoring the temple, but instead they were building up their own homes. And the more energy and the more enthusiasm that they put into taking care of themselves, the less productive they became. And the reason why is simple. It's because they were ignoring their spiritual lives. They were ignoring God. No matter how much they had, and they had a lot, it wasn't enough. They wanted more. This was because God wasn't a part of it. You know, a, a lot of people uh, a lot of quote-unquote Christians say that God is their number one priority, yet their actions say otherwise. They say, I love Jesus, yet they go out and do everything he says we shouldn't. They like to say, praise the Lord, and hold signs that say John 3.16 in public. But at home? Their Bibles have been sitting around and collecting dust. God asks, why are you living in comfort while my house is a wreck? Why aren't you taking care of my place? The same can be said for his place in our hearts. Caring for yourself and ignoring your relationship with God. That's a path you don't want to go down. In case you're wondering where it goes, I'll tell you where it goes. Hell. It goes to hell. It will take you straight to hell. All right. Now, verse 5. Verse 5 is a stern warning. And, and, and you'll notice, you know, as we go through here, this is said several times. Give careful thought to your ways. This isn't just what you say or do but your thoughts as well. Stop putting value into worthless things. Stop trying to build things up without the Lord because you're wasting your efforts on worldly things. You're just like a hamster on its wheel that's just running and running and running and running and going nowhere. Nowhere. See, God needs to be right there at the forefront. His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not ours. His. His will be done. 
Alright, picking back up now. Haggai, chapter 1, verses 7 through 11. Now, in Haggai, uh, chapter 1, verse 7 through 11, the Bible says, This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why? declares the Lord Almighty. Because of my house, which remains a ruin, while each of you is busy with your own house. Therefore, because of you, the heavens have withheld their dew, and the earth its crops. I called for a drought on the fields and the mountains, on the grain, the new wine, the olive oil, and everything else the ground produces, on people and livestock, and on all the labor of your hands. Again, verses 7 through 8, God is saying, Give careful thought to your ways. Just in case anybody missed it the first time, or didn't think it was that important, God is assuring everyone, it really is that important. And... He's giving a solution. He's giving a solution. It's right there. He's even saying that by being mindful and to getting to work on what really needs to be done is what will make him happy. See, we have to take care of God's place in our life first. We need to honor him. In verses 9 through 11, we see at this point, God's not happy. He's not having it. The Jews had the task of rebuilding the temple for years. And they had it. You know, this is worse than telling your kid, go clean the room. All right. All anyone had to do was look at it. And they could see clearly it wasn't done. So, like any good parent, God dropped the boom. He took away their allowance. And by allowance, I'm talking about their money, their food, their drink. And, and why the food and the drink? You know, because it talks about the grain. It talks about the wine. What, you know, what, why, was, why was this all important? Because grain, grapes for wine, and olives were Israel's main crops. They were depending on those things to provide security for their economy while they were all forgetting about worshiping God. This is, this is what they used to, to pay the bills, basically. All right? um, and, and it was time to pay the piper. God was helping them to get their priorities straightened out, whether they liked it or not. You know, and, and this is something we all suffer from. Some more often than others. You know, jobs, homes, work, 
family, friends, clubs, church, and so on and so forth. We get so tied up running around that we lose focus and we have little to no energy left at the end of the day to tend to the things that we really shouldn't have put off in the first place. You know, it's, it's not so much an issue of time, but priorities. Priorities, you know, the, the things that should be the most important to us. See, and what we need to do to ensure that we're truly doing what, you know, what, what matters, you know, it's, it's, we, we need, you know, what, what do we need to ensure that we're doing what really matters the most? You really have to, to ask yourself. All right. Now, continuing on, uh, verses 12 through 15. So Haggai 1, verses 12 through 15, the Bible says, Then Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, Joshua, son of Josedach, the high priest, and the whole remnant of the people obeyed the voice of the Lord, their God, and the message of the prophet Haggai, because the Lord, their God, had sent him. And the people feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message of the Lord to the people. I am with you, declares the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, son of Sheltiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, son of Josedach, the high priest, and the spirit of the whole remnant. Of the people. They came and began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty, their God, on the 24th day of the sixth month. You know, coming into verse 12, the people finally, they remembered their place and they feared God. And they went back to work. And in verse 13, God reminded uh, the Jews of his promise. And he showed that he was pleased with them when he said, I am with you. I am with you. And so they all went to work with this fire in them, this enthusiasm. They were encouraged. Their spirits were lifted up. And this was what they focused on. Within 23 days of Haggai's first message, the people were finally, finally rebuilding the temple. 23 days. It's interesting in itself because prophets' messages rarely had a response that quickly. Even today, it takes longer to get a pothole in the road fixed. You know, even even when we hear sermons, you know, um, and, and we think about it, we'll be sitting there reflecting on a message and we say, you know what, that's a great point. I should really start doing these things. And then we forget about it by the time we make it to the parking lot. Say, where's my car? Oh, it's over there somewhere. You know, this is this is why taking notes is important. You know, I know there's a lot of really good note takers out there. My wife is a really good note taker. Um, 
you know, when, when you have it written out, you have something to refer back to over and over. So when you hear something good, something that really just speaks to you, you can pray over it and ask what your next move should be and start doing it. You know, uh, we, we, you, you pray on it, you meditate on it, and you figure out just exactly how it is that you can apply this to your life. All right. What happened in the first part here is that the Jews were burnt out. You know, they, they'd been through a lot. They traveled home. And they continuously met opposition. Everything was hard. And when it's hard, it's really easy to forget to look to God. And just like back then, it's easy to get caught up in everything going on around us. To let our priorities get mixed up. You know, it's just another one of the storms in our lives. And we tend to take our eyes off of Jesus. And that is when the storm takes us. Isaiah chapter 40, verses 29 through 31, tell us that when you're tired and you're and weary, that that's when we need to look up to the Father and He will refresh us. So when you feel like you can't take another step, call on God. He's always with us. He's always with you. He's always with me. All of us. And he, he'll give, he'll give you the boost that you need to keep moving. He will build us all up. Thank you for tuning in to Healing Scars with Pastor Burton. If you'd like to know more about our ministry, you can find us on Facebook at Be The Light Sanctuary. Or you can visit our website at BeTheLightSanctuary.org. Thank you so much for listening. We'll catch you next time. God bless.